the MVP front runner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. Yeah. I'm right here in Bmore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that. Big trust. Woo woo. Lamar Jackson in the flesh. Yes, sir. Big trust. I'm with you. I'm with you. New era eight apparel. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 55 of the Football Absurdity Podcast. Today's date is Friday, November 22nd, 2019. It is our week 12 preview. My name is Jeff Crisco. I'm here with my co-hosts, Evan Hoover and Mike Valverde. Mike, how are you today? You know, it, it was a fumble, and the Colts should have had the ball, and they were going to win the game. And, you know, the referees, again, screwed them out of uh, another game. And you know what? I'm, I'm still a little livid about the fact that they don't know what the heck a fumble is. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. That was about last night's Thursday Night Football game. Mike's definitely still not uh, bitter about it. Not at all, Evan. Not at all. not at all, Evan. How are you? I'm great. I love being here. All right. So, um, <clears throat> off the top, we'll just get the uh, the business out of the way. Uh, if you found us through Twitter or through the website, go ahead. Go to your podcast app of choice. We will be there. If we're not there, please send us a message on Twitter at fballabsurdity. Go ahead, subscribe to us. We drop an episode every Friday. It is the first part of our two-part episodes. Uh, the second part drops on Tuesday, and that is patrons exclusive. What we do on Fridays is we take a look forward at the games this weekend and uh, ask some questions about what we're looking for in the game. Then on Tuesday, we do a debrief. Unless somebody forgets to record like me um, this last week, uh, we do apologize to our patrons. Um, we have a lost episode. We have an official lost episode. Um, but instead, I did my penance um through a 4,000 word uh, manifesto about playoff matchups, fantasy playoff matchups. That's all exclusive to our patrons. Um, so if you want to become one of those patrons, go to patreon.com slash football absurdity and uh, sign up. And then uh, you will get that extra episode every week. And our playoff matchups manifesto is kind of sitting there um, in the Patreon page right now. Um, Twitter is fball absurdity. Um, the best place, however, to come talk to us is our discord channel, tiny.cc slash absurdity again that's tiny.cc slash absurdity and uh, there's a lot of good discussion in there we had for example last night i was having a discussion with a uh, uh, discord superstar fake plastic t about um, whether uh, the colts running jonathan williams into the line repeatedly was a good idea or not and uh, we both came up with some uh, some uh, good good uh, discussion topics there so again uh, discord's the place to be tiny.cc slash absurdity um, if you want to help support us, uh, another way to do it is sign up for draft, draft.com slash absurdity, promo code absurdity. It's week 12. Um, I'm sure you wish you could redraft your teams. And guess what? You can redraft a team for just this week. And uh, if you sign up and uh, with that promo code, you get a free $3 tournament token with deposit. So, all right, we got all that garbage out of the way. Um, if you were fast forwarding, please stop fast forwarding. We will now go, go back to talking about football. Mike, Mike mentioned it last night, Thursday night football. It was uh, a game that did not quite go how the Colts wanted. Uh, it was a Houston 20, Colts 17. And Mike, why don't you talk a little bit more about that fumble you were talking about? So, okay, so it was, I think, what was it, third down? And yeah. 
And so Carlos Hyde, I believe, had the ball. And he just he just it, it became the scrum and he he obviously fumbled the ball. The Colts recovered, Darius Leonard recovered it. He's pointing, I got the ball, it's right here in my hand. And the refs referees are like, oh well, never mind. Um Houston's ball. Uh, you know, and, and it's just you know, I, I don't understand why these things happen with these officials. Uh I I, I you know, people have been talking about how, how they're, it's rigged and all this other stuff. I don't want to believe that. I don't believe it's basketball. But when you got these weird kind of calls going on, and this is not the first time the Colts have been kind of like, you know, gotten a bite of how bad these officials are, it, it makes you wonder. And I, I don't want to do that with football. But obviously, with them not understanding replay, not understanding the rules, uh, going one way and then not being consistent with the other, it's, I don't know. I, I'm I'm frustrated right now. The Colts should, should have had this game won. They should be up to uh, a game, not only a game over Houston, but two games because that game, if they they won th- uh, last night, they would have a 2-0 um, two, two over Houston. So it's actually a two-game advantage over Houston that didn't come to be because the NFL wants to make it more co- competitive. Don't worry, you'll get you'll get back on track when T.Y. Hilton gets back. He was back last night. Yeah, that, that was my point. <laughs> he just couldn't catch the ball. I think Mike, he dropped, are, like, Mike, three Mike, Mike, are you familiar with Hanlon's razor? No. Hanlon's razor. I, I pulled it up so I could give you the exact quote. It's never a tribute to malice that w- that which can be adequately explained by stupidity. I think the refs might have missed a call. I don't think we're talking about a rigged system here. I think we've just got bad calls because the refs are bad and they are prideful. So they won't overturn calls. We've seen that repeatedly with uh, pass interference calls. I mean, the Texans last week were the were the losers of the refs being garbage on that DeAndre Hopkins pass interference call. So I don't think it's rigged. I don't think you have to worry about it being rigged. <laughs> I don't think that that's... A problem, but I do understand the frustration when uh, you can see it with your eyes uh, that you believed it to have been the Colts ball, and that was not um, borne out by uh, what ended up happening. But uh, how about how about Jonathan Williams? Uh, came in off the street, had over 100 yards last week, had over 100 yards this week, uh, had a ton of yards, uh, a ton of carries. Uh, not super efficient on those carries, but um, uh, what do we think about Jonathan Williams with uh, reports that Mac might... Might miss multiple weeks now. Well, I, I, I like Williams. I think he uh, did pretty well against a very tough uh, Houston run defense. Uh, he, you know, he did have a lot of runs where he ran smack right into the wall. But when you have a tough run defense like Houston does, then that's going to happen. So him to go over 100 yards by himself was quite impressive. Here's a guy that really, uh, I think it was his second season that – was given an opportunity to be the starter for the Buffalo Bills. And I believe he tore his ACL and that just sort of derailed him for, you know, for the last couple of years, bouncing around from team to team, their practice squad. So this guy has some kind of talent. If, if, if a team's looking at him to be their, their number one guy, uh, he, he shows he can catch the ball pretty well. He, he runs pretty well, uh, especially if the, you know, the offensive line gives him a hole, which Colts, you know, offensive line is is pretty well. So, it, yeah, I, I like him. I, I like him a lot. We'll, we'll see what happens with – I don't know why 
Wilkins didn't get an opportunity, maybe because it was a short week and he just cleared and was practicing. They're just like, okay, just take it easy. So we'll see into next week if Williams continues that Mac role where he's getting the 20 carries per week. If so, then you got to write him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no way around that right now. Uh, Evan, you mentioned uh, uh, T.Y. Hilton. Sounds like he was not maybe 100%. Um, he, Mike, you mentioned he had dropped a couple easy passes and the day three for 18. I slotted it in where, in where I had him. Everybody was pretty much gung-ho about it because of his history taking on the Texans, but he wasn't. He, he just he had to knock the rust off, and uh, he didn't do that fast enough. Um, he was like, what was going on with me there? I messed up. And yeah. One of those like, oh, my God, I'm better than this. Speaking of better than this, guess who led all Colts in yards and catches, baby? Doyle. No. Somebody I started last week and got me zero points. My boy, Eric Ebron. The only tight end of the league better than Mike Gesicki is Eric Ebron. All right. So going over to the Colt or the Texan side, Will Fuller. Oh, man. Will Fuller, two deep bombs, ends the game seven for 140. Uh, came up on one of them. Everybody was panicked. Uh, he uh, got up uh, holding his hamstring, which, you know, uh, might just be uh, a reflex at this point for <laughs> for Will Fuller. It's like, oh, I had a deep play. Time to uh, make sure my, my hamstring is still in one piece. That was the weirdest thing. He kept pointing to his hamstring like, uh, uh, uh and then he could run, run around and catch a 40-yard pass. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, it could have been a little tight. I've been there playing basketball. It's a new thing. He's going to act injured. And then like, whoops, I guess I wasn't burned you. Gotcha. <laughs> He's going to like uh, like uh, guys in basketball do so they can cherry pick. They kind of jog up court and they're like, oh, nope, duped you. Gotcha. Um, another one, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, six for 94 and two. Uh, there were people worried about DeAndre Hopkins and forgetting that, you know, he would have scored a touchdown last week. He still did fine if a uh, replay actually worked. Um, so I don't know why people were like they were borderline panicked about Hopkins because, um, I mean, he's been he's been fine. But I saw people freaking out about it, despite the fact that over his last five games, he's on a uh, well now on a fourteen hundred yard, 13 touchdown pace. So I think I think I think Nuke is OK. Um the Texans, I'm just looking through my notes here, Texans offensive line is going to get Deshaun Watson killed, which is uh, what uh, Evan is, was saying in the preseason. Um, and uh, I don't know why they continue to give Duke Johnson any carries. Um, he, I mean, he ended with a higher yards per carry than Carlos Hyde, but that's one of those situations where yards per carry lies because he ended up with 22 yards on with a long of 19. So it's one of those like, oh, he had one long run, but I mean, so did Hyde. Outside of his 33-yard run, he had uh, 15 carries for uh, 34 yards. Just not a, a good running day uh, for the Texans. All right. All righty. I, I think that we can put that game to bed unless there's something else fantasy-wise you guys wanted to talk about. I, I think that Carlos Hyde was extremely underrated uh, this year coming in, and he's shown that he can prove himself. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll be interesting to see what happens going in next year with Lamar Miller healthy. Yeah, I mean, like 1,300 rushing yards. Yeah, Lamar Miller and Carlos Hyde, though, is like the Spider-Man pointing meme. Like, like Carlos Hyde is just Lamar Miller like five years earlier. Uh, well, like three years earlier, because five years ago, we he was on the Dolphins and we were screaming and crying that, uh, you know, they need to play Lamar Miller more. And now it turns out he's just a, a, a rich man's Frank Gore at this point. And um, 
You're right, Mike. Hyde was um, underrated by a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the Carlos Hyde, Damian Williams argument that was going on in the offseason um, that uh, everybody was, you know, they had to try to microanalyze every little thing about Carlos Hyde that was a potential negative in order to build up Damian Williams. Um, and then once he went to Houston, it was freeing. It felt like, you know, uh, you could actually have real opinions about Carlos Hyde without measuring him against um uh, Damian Williams. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, how cool was Jack Doyle springing, um, Jonathan Williams from the hands of two tacklers on that, uh, on his touchdown run. Like I watched that play over and over where, uh, a couple Texans had Jonathan Williams dead to rights and, um, Jack Doyle just kind of comes by and just blows them both up and, uh, springs, um, uh, Jonathan Williams for that TD. I thought that I was pretty cool. I understand what was going on in that play. It was so unique. Yeah, it was so weird because you're, you're watching, you're like, oh, he's dead. Like, you're like, all right. And then he's gone. Like, then he's breaking the tackles. And you're like, well, there's no way he broke that tackle. And then you watch it again. And Jack Doyle comes flying across the formation and blasts, the, blasts one guy into the other guy. It was a, it was a, a pretty cool, uh, uh, you know, master class in, uh, in uh, offensive blocking. So, all right. Um, anything else fantasy-wise you guys want to talk about with this one? I mean, it's Thursday Night Football. It's poop. Hopkins did fantasy. We're done. Uh, Hopkins did fantasy. Fuller did, Fuller did fantasy. Williams did fantasy. Watkins. I'm not Watkins. Watson did some fantasy. Just a little bit of fantasy. Just enough fantasy. But uh, but not a lot of fantasy. So, All right. So we'll go ahead. We'll move on to our week 12 preview. Um, like I said at the top, what we do is instead of going through the games and going like, oh, Tampa Bay and Atlanta. You know, I think this guy is... Uh, is a, a guy you should start, or this guy is a guy that you should sit. Uh, we go ahead, we ask questions um, about the game, and that's how we analyze each one through the lens of that. So we'll go ahead, get started. Uh, first game on the slate is Tampa Bay at Atlanta. And I finally put our doc in the correct order so that I wouldn't have to fumble and remember which team was the home team. Um, so this is a 51.5 point over under Atlanta four point favorites, which is not something I thought I'd see, um, right up until about three weeks ago. So, um, Mike, you're curious against this awful Tampa Bay pass defense. Uh, if Matt Ryan can uh, come back as a top three quarterback this week. Yeah, he's, he's struggled, uh, pretty much all season. Uh, he, he's still a top 10 quarterback, but it's nowhere near what we believed he would be coming into the season. So, Mm -hmm. I, I think he's dropped probably five or six spots and usually quarterbacks are pretty stagnant where they are uh, coming in. So th- you don't really have to guess so much, but yeah, he's fallen off. Uh, now they're playing the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. That is horrible against the pass uh, 31st in yards allowed during the game. Uh, looking at Brian's production, he has just one game. Uh, this season, uh, that's top three production. His last three games have been very not good. Uh, four, <laughs> is that four, the te- is that the technical term? Yeah, very, very not, not good. good. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that every time I write now. Um, is it, so those three games just four touchdowns, uh, and then he has three picks on top of that. So it, it's been really bad. But against the Rams. Saints are, are pretty mediocre, and in the Panthers, so he does he does have a pretty good co- competition in those three games. Uh, but the Bucks are just horrible, uh, allowing sixty five percent completion rating, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can actually put in a top three game. Whatever the case may be, he really should have a great game and 
we'll find out uh, Sunday where, where he falls. That we will. And and right now, yeah, he's quarterback 10 on the season. And uh, to your point, three out of Matt Ryan's worst four games came in his last three contests. So that kind of underscores your point, Mike, that um, he really started off strong, um, but he's faded and he's a quarterback 10 right now, just uh, kind of coasting off of how he started. So um, Evan's trying to figure out if this whole Ronald Jones guy, uh, I don't know about this guy. I want to start him because... He's on waiver. He was on waiver wires recently, and he had like two games in a row. But then he messed up last week. I don't know. I'm watching him, and I'm I'm rooting for him to be startable in future weeks. I'm definitely not starting him this week because he had two points last week, and Tampa Bay is facing the surging Atlanta. And we saw last week when Tampa Bay falls behind early, uh, they abandon the run. So, but I just ah, come on, Ronald Jones. Let me just start you. That's what I'm watching for. Yeah, and he had those eight targets two games ago, which is kind of what I was looking for, looking at last week, four targets. So it's not even something that he's going to reliably get because it's never really been a part of his game. Just all of a sudden he had eight targets two weeks ago that kind of kind of saved your day. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it is a question about, you know, like you said, you're not starting him this weekend, but um, it is a question about uh, how you feel about this Atlanta defense that uh, – all of a sudden is good. So we'll see. Well, also, and, uh, we had preseason, we were like, hey, Ronald Jones doesn't have what it takes. You know, he doesn't have skills. And then he got good on tape. And we're like, all right, cool. Happy to be wrong. But then we were right. And I've never been angrier to be right. Well, Bruce, yeah, he, talking about the passing game, Bruce Arians has, has mentioned a couple times that he wants to get uh, Ronald Jones more involved. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, but I mean, every team wants to have, you know, their running back be this dynamic kind of guy. But um, if, you know, it, it, it's never been a part of his skill set. And I, I don't think a guy who, you know, has spent his sophomore year just trying to undo the damage of his rookie year is all of a sudden going to add another, you know, element, another wrinkle to his, his game that's never existed. So I know he wants to try to do it, but it's like, can you know, he <laughs> can he do it? Exactly. I mean, Dario Gunbowale was the one out there. Um, in garbage time last week, soaking up cat or uh, uh, soaking up catches. So it's like, you know, if you want to actually get him the ball, um, try actually getting him the ball. Um, don't have Dario Gumbawale out there. Um, right. And it's week twelve. I can finally say it without having to stop halfway through. <laughs> so my question uh, does roll into that one, and it's uh, you know the Atlanta defense has been rolling since they let uh, uh, Raheem Morris do the um, play calling. Um, and Jameis Winston has just been circling the drain um, in terms of turnovers. And a lot of that does have to do, I mean, a lot of it, let's be clear here, has to do with going on, what's going on between Jameis Winston's ears. He makes some truly boneheaded decisions. But, um, you know, last week against the Saints, um, he was just, he was basically hitting his back foot and then running for his life. His offensive line's not doing him any favors. So what I'm looking for is to see if, um, this Atlanta defense is going to keep it rolling because Jameis is right now over his last five games is averaging 2.6 interceptions a game. It's not good. He had four last week. Um, he had five, um, five weeks ago or five games ago. So I want to see if this Atlanta defense keeps it rolling against this truly bad, um, uh, 
uh, Buccaneers uh, offensive line. And, and um, you know, if you're in a Scott Fishbowl type league where it's, you know, major negative points for interceptions, um, then, you know, you're kicking yourself for Jameis. But what's funny is he's actually been uh, not too shabby um, despite the interceptions because he throws for so much and runs for some. So um, I'm just curious about the uh, Falcons against this uh, Tampa Bay offensive line. So next one up, a the lowest over-under of the week. Mike Mike texted me earlier this week and said, uh, was it this week's over-unders and then the barf face emoji? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> this one's 37 and a half points. Denver at Buffalo with Buffalo as four-point favorites. And Evan, if you're curious about Josh Allen. I am. Josh Allen, by many metrics, was the number one fantasy player last week. But is he even startable regularly? He's got Denver this week. What do you think? Is he going to top tenant again or what's going on? I don't think he's going to top tenant uh, just because that Broncos defense is good until it gets to be about the fourth quarter. So I think the Broncos are going to run it, but I, I could see him up there. I could see him anywhere between like 12 and 13, somewhere around there. Yeah. I think uh, we got the situation with Josh Allen where we don't, we, we have this default to not trust him, but he's been, you know, doing pretty good this season, except for, I believe, his, like, only truly dreadful game was the uh, Patriots game, which, you know, unless you're Lamar Jackson, that's usually the blemish on your record. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, that's the only game in four-point per touchdown league that he went under 17 fantasy points. So I think his, we look at it, we look at Josh Allen, and we look at this uh, Broncos defense, and we say... All right, so this Broncos defense is going to get some takeaways, and Josh Allen is this super interception-prone guy. Well, Josh Allen hasn't had an interception since before their week six bye. Um, <clears throat> he's taking care of the ball better. I mean, he's still getting fumbles and stuff, but at the same time, what we're not looking at is like, hey, Josh Allen uh, is a rushing quarterback. He has a floor um, with his rushing. So I think, I mean, he's startable. He's a top six. Uh, eight quarterback on the year he's top six over the last four weeks i mean i'm starting him i i'm i'm uh, i'm not worried about it um particularly um except for one league where i panicked and i started jacoby Brissett. so how did that work out for me right so i'm i'm not too worried about it mike what do you think yeah i, I really think that uh yeah, I, you know i don't know his competition lately but or what his completion percentage is but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll start him if, you know, if you're like at the 10, 12, 12 range and your quarterback is, I don't know, Tom Brady or someone to that effect. And you're like, oh, do I go Josh Allen or Tom Brady? Well, I'd go with Josh Allen just because of the fact that, A, he can run the ball and B, he is throwing for touchdowns where Tom Brady, it, the Patriots are becoming a lot more run balanced. So. You know, but I'm not going to start him over like Russell Wilson or um, someone that falls well, in between no. one and five. Well, no, yeah. <clears throat> There's if if somebody tells you to start Josh Allen over Russell Wilson, just turn off their podcast, close the article, call it a day on on their their uh, their analysis because that's that's crazy. But I mean, yeah, I, that's kind of how I'm feeling about it, Mike. It's in that you know, uh, there's there's a range of quarterbacks that don't leave your lineup. I think he's right outside that range. Um, and, and he's, he's shown us recently, you know, he can do it in various ways. Um, like he has four rushing touchdowns in his last three games. 
he has over 100 rushing yards um, combined, or I'm sorry, he has 96 rushing yards combined in his last three games. Um, you know, and and um, he had three passing touchdowns last week. So it's like he's he's doing it. He's figuring out a way to do it, and he's had multiple touchdowns now in um, every game since that New England game. So I'm not worried about it um, with Josh Allen. I mean, it is a good, like Mike said, it's a good defense until the fourth quarter. And I think we talked about it last week. I think they're just shallow. Uh, they're getting tired, and guess what? A shallow, tired defense doesn't get less tired and shallow as the season goes along, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> it's not like all of a sudden they'll become deep and uh, and well-rested um, in Week 12. Um, so so um, uh, Mike, you were wondering, though, if they can uh, keep the ball away from Josh Allen, play his clock control game. Yeah, and I think that that's what they're going to have to do to win this game. But they're they're not as as much as we think. You know, Freeman and Lindsey are are pretty pretty good running backs. Uh, they're not really rushing the ball very much, uh, uh, very well, I should say. Four point three yards a carry. Um, they've only scored eight touchdowns, which is nineteenth in the league. Uh, Lindsey himself has only one game of twenty carries, which happens to coincide with his one game of hundred yards. Freeman has done neither. He has not carried the ball 20 times. He has not rushed for 100 yards. But the Bills' defense is pretty bad against the ground. Uh, they allow four four and a half yards per carry, um, 106 yards per game, and then they've given up 11 touchdowns. So it's 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 bright for them. They if if they can establish a run against a bad rushing defense and keep that clock controlled then they have a great chance to win. And both uh, Lindsey and Freeman should have pretty, pretty decent days uh, come, come to Sunday. Yeah. And um, that will be huge for them. I think is keeping the ball um, away from the Josh, uh, from Josh Allen and, and, and John Brown and the Devin Singletary and the big play guys on the, uh, on the Bills side. Um, <clears throat> what I'm checking to see is kind of the, uh, the flip side to that. And it's if uh, Court- can Cortland Sutton big boy a strong pass defense like the Bills so the Bills allow the eighth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers um, they um, I can't say they shut down Devontae Parker last week at all uh, ten, or 7 for 135 but before then um, that was the first 100 yard receiver uh, going up against the Bills uh, this season so it's 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 impressive um, the closest was uh, Jarvis Landry had 97 uh, and then, oddly enough, another Dolphin, Preston Williams at 82. Um, and Jamison Crowder started off the year with 14 receptions for 99 yards, which if you're giving somebody 17 targets and they don't even hit 100 yards, um, that says a lot about your offense, Jets. But um, but the the uh, the Bills have only allowed 100-yard uh, receiver this year. Um, Sutton went for 113 last week, and he's uh, went for 120 in week one, and he's flirted with it a few times. You know, Kenny Sutton Big went boys... for 113 last week with Xavier Rhodes all over him. Yeah, dude exactly. is about to make a leap into like the elite tier in 2020. Exactly, Cortland Sutton's going to be a top 12 wide receiver next year. I do believe we'll see how that works out uh, when the numbers are all put together in the off season. But he's done it with Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen. And uh, I think Evan's right. Uh, big breakout. I mean, if you're not already calling this a breakout, um, you know, even bigger one coming next year. So, yeah, Xavier Rhodes on him. Let's see how he does against his Bills defense. If he can big boy him. I got him at 18th right now overall, but that'll probably move up. 
Yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> you also got to figure for quarterback changes and, and um, injuries and, and, you know, the, the hype train, don't forget about the hype train, Mike. He could be 18 oh, now. Yeah. He could be 18 now, but he could be eight. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. Especially if he continues, you could hear it now. Oh, look at what he did with Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen. Who the heck is Brandon Allen? And he's done this and this. Can you imagine what he's going to do with this guy? And yeah. I know now that two lock is finally healthy. Quarterback whisperer, John Elway. Yeah. Now that drew lock is healthy. Okay. All right. Speaking of unhealthy quarterbacks, the Bears host the Giants. Uh, Trubisky got benched last week for it. They said he had a hip injury. Um, he's off the injury report, so he's starting again this weekend. It is a 40.5 point over under. Chicago, six point favorites. Um, and um, Mike, you want to know about Saquon Barkley getting back on track against this Bears defense? Yeah, he's, he's kind of struggled um, coming off this ankle injury. I don't know if he's still feeling some twinges and pains, but... It's not been really, really good sign for him. He, under 65 yards in three of the four contests. Uh, only he only has two touchdowns on the season. Uh, he actually has more more yards in the first two games that he played than he has in the last five combined. Uh, the the first two games he had 227 yards. The last five 175. Uh, the Bears defense is really good. They're tough against uh, the run. They're eighth. Um, they only allow four points per game um, as, to the running back. But or for, they're fourth there, I'm sorry. So it, what's interesting about the Bears is that they don't really give a lot of ground up through yards. But teams, when they get down to the goal line, they use the running back. They are very low when it comes to giving up uh, touchdowns. They've given up 10, which puts them 20th in the league. As far as players who've done well, Josh Jacobs, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Latavius Murray, 119 yards, two touchdowns. And that's it, really. Howard had, Jordan Howard had 82 in a score. Gurley had 97 in a score. So I, I really think that Saquon Barkley is at least going to get one touchdown, possibly two. But his yards, as far as on the ground yards, it, you're going to look at pretty minimal, maybe 65 to 70 yards total. What about through the air, though? Yeah, he, he'll he'll do his job through the air. He's going to get some catches, and and you know that that'll definitely help as far as combined yards. But just looking at the the ground yards alone, then it's going to be a little struggle for him. Well, I mean, I ask that because he's 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 gotten air yards over not air yards like the the metric, but he's gotten passing yards, uh, receiving yards over the last three games to uh, overcome his rushing woes. He's had uh, looks like um, an average of almost 59 yards per game through the air over the last three contests. So, um, I mean, if he's getting 60 on the ground and you know, the minimum he's gotten in the last three games was 30. So, you, I mean, you're probably looking at over 100 yards combined, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I I, I think if it's going to be close. It's going to be close to 100. That I can tell you. Uh, whether it hits or goes over 100, that's going to be – I think in the gray area, but he's capable. Uh, um, yeah, I mean he's he's a lot like what Kamara's done this year. If if you look at just Kamara's ground yards, uh, you'll see that it's not much, but it's what he's doing in the air. And Saquon Barkley, as you mentioned, is sort of doing the same thing. It's his ground yards are minimal, but it's his his air yards through the air and what he's doing through through that is what is making it uh, a great fantasy season for. I don't even know if it's great, but, uh, you know, at least solid. 
Okay. Um, so Evan, you are looking at, uh, the running backs on the other side and if, uh, injuries are going to play a role in who you're starting. Yeah. I like, uh, consistency. I still have Tariq Cohen in my big money league because it's 14 teams and people know to get running backs. And I guess if Montgomery's hobbled, does that mean Tariq Cohen's a good play? That's all I need to know. Just when to start him and when to bench him. Uh, because Montgomery prob- might hit a wall. He's a rookie. You know, this is going to be his 12th game. The rookie isn't come off of the college season where you only play 12, 13 games a year. He might hit the wall. It might be fantasy playoffs. And I might need to roll a flex in Tariq Cohen. I just want to know, hey, is this going to be a consistent thing here? But I don't know how I'm going to measure that because Montgomery so far hasn't tripped up in practice and slipped on marbles or whatever happened last week. So I guess I'm hoping... I don't know what I want. What I want is for Montgomery to get hobbled so I can get another data point. But then I'm rooting for a guy to be injured, and that's just a horrible person. So I don't even know what I want. I don't know. When it's it just... comes to fantasy football and only fantasy football, I'd rather be a horrible person. <laughs> uh, be right back, adding Antonio Brown. There you go. All right. So speaking of wide receivers, I'm checking to see. I'm checking in to see if uh, Darius Slayton is the new focus of the passing game. Uh, you have 14 targets uh, against the Jets, which... Um, you know, I'm not expecting 14 targets, but, um, he turned that into 121 and two, um, again, not expecting that given that the bears are a strong, uh, defense against wide receivers, but I'm more looking at what the heck are they doing with Darius Slayton? Was that big, uh, target total, the, the, the portend of something to come, or is it just a, a blip on the radar, um, for, for Slayton? Because there were some people who were, um, excited about Slayton going into the year. And I uh, thought that, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard's um, injury would uh, would uh, allow um, Slayton to step up, which he finally did last week. Um, so just curious how that do- how, how that goes. Um, no Evan Ingram this week. It doesn't look like any it's going to be Sterling Shepard unless you guys saw something saw something different. I'm seeing a lot of people hyped about Shepard. OK, I'm oh, not saying like- I saw something different. <laughs> Okay, right right before we recorded, he um, wasn't listed on the Giants' final injury report. So it looks like Shepard uh, should be back, and we'll see how that does um, with the, with the, now that they have the their full complement of actual wide receivers minus uh, Evan Ingram at tight end. So uh, right before we recorded, it was uh, um, uh, a breaking news, do-do-do, that he's off the injury report. All right, next one up. There is an interminable amount of 10 a.m. games this week. Did you guys see that? Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah I think there's only like four one one o'clock games or something. No, there's there's two one o'clock games. Oh God! Because wow. there was three, and then they flexed one to uh, Sunday Night Football Niners uh, Packers. So there was just three, and then they flexed, and then I think they actually flexed Seattle Philadelphia to 10 a.m. I think that might have been a one o'clock game as well. It's a, uh, I don't know. I, I, they're trying to get everybody's eyes on Dallas New England is what's happening because the counter programming is Jacksonville Tennessee. So <laughs> they're trying to get everybody to watch Dallas New England, but uh, yet another 10 a.m. game, a game that um, nobody's gonna want to watch. Let's be clear here. There's 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 Pittsburgh fans and Cincinnati fans, and those are the only people who should be watching this game. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, 38 and a half point over under. Steelers are six and a half point favorites. Evan, can you recommend anybody who isn't a running back? I saw that Eifert, I don't know where I read it, but Eifert's only owned in 10% of leagues. That would and, be in my and, sleepers. 
And that's right. And uh, Cincinnati probably going to look a little better than they did against Oakland last week because, as we know, Oakland is the best team in the league. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Eifert does something. Other than that, I'm not, I'm not starting my Boyds. I'm, I'm, bar- I'm barely flexing my Juju's where I have to. Well, I don't think Juju's playing. Oh, well, that explains why I'm looking at my teams and he's on the bench. Okay. Okay, wow. What did you say, Mike? I was just saying Juju's out. Yeah, he is out. Okay. I was, I was checking Twitter for it. Yeah, ruled out. He was ruled out today. Okay. Um, you, so you're not starting your Boyds. What about your Girlds? Is he, is he any good? Girlds? <laughs> Mike, who's leading this game in receptions? Um, I, I think, I think it's going to be a tough call because who, who's playing? I mean, Juju is out. Deontay is out. I think, uh, Switzer is on IR. James Washington is average. Uh, the, the Steelers are such bad shape at wide receiver that they had to go and sign Dion Kane. Uh, Bengals, you got the Bengals. AJ Green is out. Auden Tate is out. John Ross is IR. Tyler Borey, he's about as average as, as James Washington, maybe a little bit better. Alex Erickson, who, who's that again? And, and you know, they, they actually brought in undra- undrafted uh, Stanley Morgan Jr., who's no relation to Stanley Morgan, uh, you know, and he did okay. So, basically, I, I have no idea. My, my answer to who's going to lead this game in receptions is Tyler Eifert Boyd. <laughs> Tyler Eifert Boyd. All right. All right, then. And um, my question is on this one is uh, who's going to win between the uh, extremely stoppable force, which is the Steelers offense and the extremely movable object, which is the Cincinnati defense. Um, The Steelers score just 20 points per game this year. And a lot of that is defensive touchdowns. They're among the lowest in the league in terms of yardage. Uh, They rank 28th. Um, There's only 32 teams in terms of yardage ahead of just the Dolphins, Bears, Washington, and the Jets. And so it's a it's it's an inept offense overall. I'm I'm not gonna go into it my, you know as much as Mike did, because Mike kind of did the uh did the work for me. All the guys that are injured, you know, it's not necessarily a their fault what is happening. Um, you know, a lot of backups are are thrust into uh starting roles. But then on the flip side, you got the Bengals. They allow 27.6 points per game, fifth most in the league. They allow the most yards per game in the league at 425. Um, So it's one of those things where it's like, well, one of these things has to break. Um, Either the extremely stoppable force, which is the Steelers offense, or the extremely movable object, which is Cincinnati's defense. I'm thinking, and because this comes from watching uh, uh, Mason Rudolph and uh, Coach um, Tomlin being able to uh, coach around his shortcomings. I'm thinking that it's going to be the Steelers offense because Tomlin's going to scheme it up that way and is going to blow past, uh, you know, the Cincinnati, uh, uh, DC's, uh, uh, game plans, but we'll see. That's my thought is that Pittsburgh will, uh, will be able to, uh, beat, uh, Cincinnati, um, in this one with, uh, giving, um, Mason Rudolph, nice, easy reads, especially because he's probably still uh, recovering from his his head injury on Thursday Night Football. No, nothing? Nothing on that one? Nothing on... Uh, on uh... All right. I, 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 I have some... to admit that I have stopped paying attention. Under some... I got a head injury. That's, why I, that's my excuse. On so, under some popular scoring systems, Mason Rudolph has not had a better week 
than Dwayne Haskins last week when he got his butt kicked by the lowly Jets. That's how bad Mason Rudolph has been. Lowly. Well, I'm not saying we can start Mason Rudolph. I'm, it's more the other pieces in the offense and um, the offense as a whole. <clears throat> you know, I love Vance McDonald. I'm a huge Vance McDonald fan. I've always always said this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've been his like biggest supporter from, mm-hmm. I think, from the day I met you. I mean, it, instead of saying, hey, my name is Jeff, you said, hey, I'm a big Vance McDonald supporter. I, I love Vance McDonald. I'm just going to go ahead and do a little experiment here and type in Vance McDonald sucks into Google. Uh, yeah. yeah, there you are, number one. <laughs> <laughs> Try Vance McDonald sleeper, also number one. Also, same article. Anyways, so I'm not confident in Mason Rudolph himself, but I think that that you know that they'll uh, they'll be able to undo overcome the vaunted Cincinnati Bengals offense that uh, everybody overcomes this season. So, next one up, um, another fun game. This week is full of just truly garbage games, truly just awful Horrible. things. That, yeah, seriously. I mean, like when I was going over these things, I was like. Well, like how, how I sent you that emoji, just like, oh, good lord! Oh yeah, it's 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 bad. It's uh, Miami at Cleveland, forty-five point over under. Cleveland's ten and a half point favorites. Mike, how bad is Odell Beckham? He's very he's moving dead. on. No, <laughs> <laughs> he stinks. Uh, yeah, he does actually. Uh, right now, um, he's had just one touchdown all year. Uh, that came in week two. He hasn't had more than seven receptions in a game. Uh, total of 48 on the season. He, If you want to look at, okay, maybe he's done some production. Uh, no, really. He, he only has two games of 100-plus yards. Uh, no more than 87 in the last four games. 692 total yards uh, on the season. His numbers so far this year, 48 receptions, 692 yards. One touchdown, which falls behind Jarvis Landry, uh, 49, 695, and three. And also Allen Robinson, if you want to look how bad it is. Mitchell Trubisky and Allen Robinson have a better connection than what Odell Beckham and, uh, uh, yeah, his name, the quarterback's name. Um, is, it, what's, even, what's even worse is that Beckham, in the last two games since Kareem Hunt came back, Beckham has uh, less receptions than Kareem Hunt does. Uh, so he's a 30-second receiver right now in fantasy football. Uh, he's just a few points ahead of Adam Thielen, who's missed like five games. Adam Thielen uh, has 102 points, and Jarvis Landry has 123. So it, it's just really awful. But here's a chance. If he's going to regress, it's going to be regress against this game. Because everybody regresses positively towards Miami. So if it's going to be at all this season, it's going to be right now. Yeah, we'll see. And, and, you know, this is something that we've been tracking for a while with Odell Beckham. Just a lot of focus drops. A lot of balls just like right off of his hands and not off his hands where he's, you know, he's reaching behind him trying to get it. Just really bad connection with Baker. So we'll see. Maybe uh, hopefully he can turn it around this week against Miami. And if he doesn't, he's not going to. Evan, um, Mike mentioned him, uh, Beckham's teammate Jarvis Landry. Uh, you think he might be top 20 this week? Jarvis Landry is a must-start this week, and it shocks me to have to say that. He's had three straight weeks with a touchdown. 
three straight weeks with over a dozen points, and he's facing Miami. Wow. I would start him over Beckham. Would you start him over Will Fuller? Yes. Wow. No. Evan's taking banked production. Banked 140 no. yeah, yards. No, give me the points. Give me the points in the bank. Okay. Okay. No, I was kidding. I knew you would pick that one. That was that was the joke. But I mean, yeah, he's 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 done well enough recently. Um I was I was kind of out on him this year cuz I saw Odell Beckham coming in getting a big workload, but uh as Mike outlined, it doesn't matter. Uh Odell Beckham is not doing anything with that workload. So, I can buy it. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that kind of throws me off is I, I'm thinking that maybe a, a Beckham would be the better starter is because Landry scored in the last three games, and three touchdowns for him during the season is quite a bit, let alone three in a row, which would be four in a row this week. But, you know, Miami defense, yeah, why not roll with it? Give it a shot. And so um, what I'm looking at is uh, nobody here wanted to talk about the Dolphins. We're all talking about the Browns. Um One of the things I was concerned about with uh, Kareem Hunt coming back uh, was Kareem Hunt potentially chewing into um, Nick Chubb's passing game and his his overall workload. Hasn't chewed into his his rushing workload yet, but um, we'll see if it's a trend. Uh, Chubb had uh, four targets two weeks ago. He had one target last week. He averaged four targets before. Uh, Hunt came back, so I, I, I would I, literally the one thing I'm looking for in this game is to see how many targets Nick Chubb gets going forward. It's not going to be super actionable because I mean it's not like you're going to bench Nick Chubb. Um, I don't think this is going to be a, a David Johnson, uh, Kenyon Drake situation here. Um, but um, I am curious to see if it, if it, he, if he does chew into his targets because um, I mean Hunt's got over the last two games I think he's got 17 targets. Something crazy like that. So it's it's uh, Mike. You mentioned it that um, he has more. Do you say more targets or more receptions than uh, Odell Beckham since he came back? I think he has more receptions. More receptions. Yeah, he's got thirteen receptions in the last two games. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, this usage of Kareem Hunt as uh, a super version, a super version of uh, Duke Johnson. You know, he's had, uh, you know, 10, 10 rushes and 17 targets in his two games. So it really is just a, a super uh, version of uh, the Duke Johnson role um, in, in, in Cleveland that we've seen in the past. It's too bad that Mark Walton got suspended. We could have had two domestic violencers going against in this game with Cream Hunt and Mark Walton. That like... <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah, the NFL is really missing out on the uh, the uh, 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 pregame role. You know, they can talk about it all week. Uh, they're missing the uh, the promotion opportunity with that. Well, I don't think they're missing out in the domestic abuser market, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Carolina and New Orleans, forty-seven point over under. Uh, New Orleans nine and a half point favorites, and I don't think it's going to be that close. Um, but Evan wants to know if you can start both Carolina wide receivers in this game. Yeah, isn't Moore like good now? I've lost track because I don't have anybody. Moore is good. Samuel is not. That's where uh, we stand. That's where we stand right now. Uh, Earlier in the year, in the preseason, I got an offer to trade Greg Zerline for Curtis Samuel. Did you? Uh, by the time I had hit OK, uh, he had already traded Samuel to somebody else. He was going <laughs> to drop him for a kicker and so he just shopped him around and i was like huh i wish i wasn't driving but now i'm like ah screw it right out of zerline yeah i mean at this point yeah legatron might be more useful to you than uh than curtis samuel has been 
Um, I don't think you can start both because, like I said, Curtis Samuel's been not great lately. Uh, DJ Moore has, um, but I mean, it's Kyle Allen. There's only so much he can support um, <clears throat> um, in this offense. So, uh, Mike, you think, you think Kyle Allen is the bottleneck, and it's not New England's New Orleans defense? Well, I I, I was just talking about recently. He hasn't been able to support. I think it's a fair point. I'm just uh, trying to create a visual for myself. The, uh, the bottle person on earth. The bottleneck is the confluence of Kyle Allen, who had four interceptions last week, and the um, New Orleans uh, pass defense. So it's so 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 you think of the bottleneck. You're looking at it from the side. There's two sides to it. You know, to make it bottle. One side's the pass defense. The other side's Kyle Allen. Does that help? Yes. Okay, Mike, talk to me about Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is is blowing it up this year. He's he's really the only really a legitimate number one. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins after last night will will bounce it back into there. But of number one receivers to say the top five uh, going into this season, Michael Thomas is really the only one that's maintained his his draft uh, status. Uh, so. He has right now. He has five straight games, five of 100 plus yards. He has six total games of 110 plus yards. He scored in two of the last three games, but the Carolina defense is is pretty pretty good. Uh, they uh, they lead the lead the league in sacks uh, with 39, but the battle there is the Saints don't really give up sacks unless you're the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they're they're seventh in the league of not. Of, of not allowing sacks, so that's going to be a really good matchup. Wh- which side's going to give the team with the sacks or the team that doesn't give up the sacks? Interesting enough, the Panthers they they are uh, they they allow teams to to get a lot of yardage on the field uh, with their receivers, but they don't allow those receivers to get into the end zone. So it looks pretty good if if the Saints offensive line can hold up that ferocious Carolina pass defense that likes to get after the quarterback. I really think that Michael Thomas has a good chance of making it five straight. Uh, they've allowed, I think, uh, six players uh, to go over 100 yards. Godwin's done it twice. Uh, Chark, Moore, DJ Moore, Devontae Adams, and Ridley. And, and these are big 100-yard games. These are like one, Godwin's games were like 121 and 151. Uh, J.J. Chart, 164 yards. Really, 143 yards. So these are big, huge games that they give up to the receivers. They just don't allow them to score. So I don't expect Michael Thomas to get into the end zone. He doesn't really anyways. But I do expect that 120, 130-yard game for you. Big game for Michael Thomas is what you're expecting big, big. In, in this one. And and my I don't know if, if uh, mine's a question as much as it is a plea. And it's where is the all capital letters Alvin Kamara game so far this season in uh, we'll do, let's see FanDuel half, half point scoring Alvin Kamara has three games over 15 fantasy points and half PPR scoring three, three out of he's played in eight games this year. Last year he scored more than um, 15 fantasy points and half PPR in nine games. He had three games over 30 points. He has just one this year. He was hurt, so, I mean, but if you look at the ratio, like, more than half of his games last year were over 15 fantasy points. And this year he has three, which is, uh, you know, three out of eight. So I want to know, where's the capital A, capital K, 
Alvin yeah. Kamara game. And can he get it this weekend? Can he get right? Because um, he's he hasn't had that yet this year. And, and I know he was injured and he, he left that game early and he was eased back in. But at the same time, it's like, where are these signature Alvin Kamara performances? And can we can we please get one this weekend? Because, um, you know, he was a top four back and it's starting to wonder if he should be a top four back again next year if he doesn't uh, pull this one out of the fire. Yeah, isn't it weird You're just looking at his rushing yards and all you really see is like 65, 45. I mean, his rushing totals have been really bad. And, I mean, it's it's – I mean, they're – they are using him through the passing game and stuff, you know, through the passing game and stuff. Um, I mean, he only had 883 rushing yards last year and he only because his game is, is that he's multifaceted. He's not, um, he's not a, a, you know, uh, run it up, run it through the tackles kind of guy. He is kind of a, an air back, but, um, so it, it's not that weird to me just because I've, you know, I've had Kamara in this in this league since uh, in my keeper league since, you know, before he started. So I've always paid close attention to what his splits are. Gotcha. He he does feel like he should be this 1,200, 1,300 yard rusher. They just don't use him that much. You know, he's actually what's funny. You bring that up. He's actually averaging the same yards per carry that he did last year um, mm-hmm. and the same and the same yards per game on the ground. He's actually averaging. Get this, Mike. Point one more yards per game on the ground than he did last year. Wow. Yeah. So it's. It, yeah, but I, where are these? Where are these touchdowns? Where are these blow up games? That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm trying to figure out. What's what's going on with Alvin Kamara? Um, you know, maybe they need to stop using Taysom freaking Hill all the time. Who his you know his plays work out one every three times, which is fine if you're some garbage team with bad players on it. But you got Drew Brees throwing to Michael Thomas. And Alvin Kamara and Pat handing it off to Latavius Murray. You have much better players than Taysom Hill. So stop using Taysom Hill. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, Sean Payton. And I'm going to go Taysom, tell Taysom Hill that in person. Oh, but did you see the play where he ran three yards into the opposing line? Yeah, it was great. In every play. Beautiful. He tried to do, there was a, there was a zone read that he, he misread. There was uh, the other zone read that he misread. There was the, uh, the RPO where he uh, overthrew the, the, the receiver, you know, all of the plays, you know, if they worked, they would work great. If Sean Payton makes no sense. It's like having a garage full of Ferraris and you're obsessed with riding the BMX bike. Exactly. Like, That's what, what it is. On? That's exactly what it is. So speaking of uh, BMX bikes of the NFL, Oakland, not the BMX bikes of the NFL, but New York, they travel to the, to New York to take on the Jets. 46 point over under. Oakland's three point favorites. And uh, Evan, you're 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 wondering who has the higher floor here, Carr or Dak? I was Oakland only three point favorites, man. All right, help me out here, guys. Help me out here. Uh, in my 14 team big money league, I'm poised for a buy. I'm second out of 14, and I got the most points. This week I have a cupcake matchup. The only thing that go wrong is it's six points for passing touchdowns, so quarterbacks mean a lot. So I need a high floor. Do I want to go Dak against New England or Carr against the Jets? Dak's got the weapons, you know, but he's going against New England, whereas Carr's really clicking with his, with his wide receivers, uh, and the Jets aren't good. What, what do I want, Carr or Dak, higher floor? Uh, can you do me a favor? Only if you get this call correct. Okay, can you look at my question for Dallas and New England? Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, that's my answer. Because my question for for Dallas, New England is, will Evan have a meltdown after the Pats stop that? Spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert. Now now people won't listen to the end. (laughs) 
Yeah, so that's my answer to this question is I think Carr has the higher floor going up against the Jets because Dak's floor is literally nothing. Dak's floor is four interceptions and 200 yards. You feel me? I killed I killed the podcast. <laughs> I killed the I killed the damn club. Evan, are you there? Are you alive? Now we know the twist ending that Derek Carr is the best quarterback and the best team. Uh, You're saying they're sure. definitely going to win the Super Bowl. That's what I took from that. Sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's definitely what I'm saying. Sure. Mike, yeah. Mike, what's your call? I, I'd actually go with Dak on this, even though I think that maybe Carr has a better chance of getting more yards. But with six-point touchdown, I don't see Carr. I, 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 I can see uh, Prescott getting at least one or two touchdowns where Carr – is those touchdowns are going to go to Jacobs. So I would go th- I would actually go with Prescott on this. Okay then. Okay. I uh, have resolved nothing. All right. So Mike, why don't you talk about Josh Jacobs? So Josh Jacobs, I'm curious if he can actually bust 100 yards on the Jets and he's Jacobs has been stud. I mean, there's really no reason why he shouldn't be rookie of the year unless, you know, something tragic happens. Uh, 120, Raiders are going at 128.2 yards a game. That's ninth in the NFL at a 4.5 yards per carry clip, which is 11th. Jacobs on the season right now has 100-yard games, four of them. Uh, four of those 100-yard games, which is just really pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, and then... What's even more awesome is the fact that he has three of those 100-yard games in the last five contests. So they are you really establishing the run with Josh Jacobs. I want to see him catch more passes, but we'll see. Maybe they're just taking it one step at a time. But the Jets' run defense is really good. They only allow three yards per carry, 79 yards per game. Both are tops in the NFL. Just one guy has rushed over 100 yards on them. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott at 105. And you know what's really most important, I think, or impressive about this Jets run defense is not just the numbers that they're at the top in the NFL, but this team's always behind. So what happens to the opposing teams when, when they're ahead? They run the ball. So if the Jets are always behind and facing a team that's running the ball on a constant basis and they're still in the top, that's pretty scary run defense there. And so, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to break off 100, but... I think maybe 70, 70 yards uh, and a score for Jacobs. All right. Sounds good to me. Uh, I, I don't I don't have much to add to that. Sorry. <laughs> He's definitely going to win the rookie of the year. It's possible. I think he'll win offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I don't think that. I think that might be going away unless Kyler has a big second half. Um And uh, Josh Jacobs stumbles a little bit. So um, my question is about Hunter Renfro. Uh, over the last four games since he was started, slotted into the starting lineup um, as the slot receiver, he leads the Raiders in targets, catches, and receiving yards. Um, he has c- touchdowns in two out of uh, two out of his five contests. And I'm just, I just want to see. I'm sorry, two out of his four since being sl- slotted into the starting lineup. And I just want to see if this is the Hunter Renfro breakout game. I mean, the Jets allow the third most fancy points to wide receivers, and they give up a ton. Of fantasy points when they do it um it looked three guys over the last two games uh, i'm sorry three guys over the last three games 
um, have at least 20 fancy points against them um, in half PPR. Um, it was it was just a, a fancy point bonanza right up until they ran up against uh, uh, Washington, who, you know, Dwayne Haskins did his best Dwayne Haskins thing, but it was two guys a game going back to week seven um, who were who were getting double-digit fancy point days against them. So I'm really w- hoping to see that this is Hunter Renfro's breakout game um, for for the Raiders, and, and uh, this is the best place for him to do it um, given, uh, given the matchup. Fun fact. If the Raiders win this game, then in week 13, they will face the Kansas City Chiefs for first place in the AFC West. It could be week 14, and the Oakland Raiders are in first place in the AFC West. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. We're in that dimension now, people. That's pretty good. That's almost as good. I saw today somebody, you know how ESPN has their, their playoff matchup machine? Uh, sure. You know, their play, their playoff generator? Somebody rigged it so that the Week 17 game, uh, this, this, this just reminded me of this, between the Niners and the Seahawks, they figured out a way that whoever wins that game is the one seed and whoever loses that game is out of the playoffs entirely. Dang. Huh. Isn't that wild? That's that's the crazy reality that I super would not mind happening because that would be a uh, preposterous uh, uh, a set of circumstances. But uh, very interesting. And they and to make it work, the Niners had to be 12 and four and out of the playoffs, which I would be upset. I'm gonna, I'm, oh, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I would be upset if that happened. But uh, but yeah, let's hope uh, that reality actually doesn't come to pass because I think I would cry. All right. Sp- the, what reminded me of that was the next team up. Seattle at Philadelphia, 48 point over under Philly, one point favorites. Not really sure why Philly one point favorites. Um, they're not that good anymore. Evan, well, the NFC East like to throw money down, I guess. Yeah, it's got to be the NFC East thing. It's got to pull these lines because it's just it's wild. One point favorites. Uh, I don't know. Evan, talk to me about uh, your lack of, of players. Yeah, I'm in 11 leagues and I have zero fancy players on either team in any league. How good am I? The best. Well, how good would you be if you had uh, Tyler Lockett or Russell Wilson or I don't know. Um, but it's looking like for this one, uh, Tyler enough. Lockett. Yeah, Tyler Lockett. Uh, it's questionable if he's going to be back. It looks like he's trending towards being back, but we're not sure yet. That's definitely something to check. And I was distracted because I was double checking the line because uh, I wanted to see if it moved since I pulled these numbers down. And nope, it's still Philly. One point favorites. Um, go ahead. And uh, I think Seattle. Uh, wins this one kind of uh, going away. I don't think that uh, um, uh, it's going to work out well for the for the Eagles in this one. Uh, Mike, you kind of agree with me, I think, because you, you're wondering about uh, Eagles difference makers. Yeah, they, they don't really have much. And it's basically it's going to come down to Zach Ertz. He's really the only player I, I see that could make a difference. But anybody outside of Zach Ertz. So you really want to play Zach Ertz because the Seahawks are just horrible against tight ends, but can anybody else on that receiving team? And they really don't have much of a passing passing offense. Uh, 24th in the NFL, uh, six-point yards per attempt, 27th in the NFL. Carson Wentz is, is mediocre at best. Uh, and then if you look at who's leading the team, Zach Ertz obviously is leading the receivers. But then you have Nelson Aguilar second. Uh, the guy's played like half the games, and 
uh, in the games that he does play, he has a couple, maybe two or three games where he's exploded. So when you have a guy that's not even playing and he's your second receiver, and then you have Alshon Jeffrey, who's third, who's been in and out of the lineup all year as your third leading receiver. Wow. You're just that that just cannot happen if you're a passing team. Um, luckily, they have Jordan Howard who can run the ball. But I, I really don't see how the Eagles can can um, win this game. I, I don't see it at all because Seahawks defense kind of, you know, going to stop the run probably. Um, so, yeah, I don't. The only one that I maybe could see that's going to bust out on this, maybe Elgilar will have a good game because Deshaun Jackson's now out for the year, but that's it. I don't, I don't really see much happening in that passing game. Well, you named everybody in the passing game, but the guy who's been hot lately, especially for fantasy purposes, he scored touchdowns in three out of the last four games. Um, he's become a reliable target for Carson Wentz um, at a position where you're just looking for reliable targets. Dallas Goddard. 10.7 fancy points per game over the last four contests. Uh, like I said, touchdowns in three out of the last four, he's become a reliable target for Wentz. So um, I think that he can, um, I think that uh, the Dallas, that Goddard can continue his, uh, his trend of, of playing well re- recently for them. Uh, Cause he was supposed to have a bigger role in this offense. And I hurt, he hurt, I believe his calf in the preseason. And then uh, now that he's uh, healed, um, he's, he's, He's rocking and rolling um, with the uh, with the ones there. It's uh, become kind of a, a two tight end offense uh, for the the Eagles, which does uh, kind of explain, uh, Mike, to your point, why uh, the um, the passing game has kind of fallen off uh, to the wide receivers because it's going towards the tight ends. Um, so uh, I agree, though. I don't think the wide receivers are doing much, but uh, I think uh, uh, that's because um, our boy. Mr. Goddard is going to um, is going to do some work this week because, as you said, Seahawks do stink against tight ends. And that could be a sneaky play because if the Seattle Seahawks just focus their effort on Ertz, stopping Ertz, then uh-huh. you mentioned they got Goddard uh, wide open in a lot of places. So, Yeah, and they're going to get got for getting Goddard open. Uh, my question in this one is uh, how does Josh Gordon rotate into this game? Um, the last time they played, um, it was Josh Gordon's first game. It was the Monday night football game in San Francisco. Gordon didn't play much right up until Tyler Lockett got hurt. Um, then I, he played pretty much every single snap. He had some big catches in, um, over or the fourth quarter in overtime. And, um, I'm just curious to see how they work him in. Um, I don't have any predictions for this. I, I'm, this is literally a, Hey, I want to see how they work Josh Gordon in, in this game, um, for the, uh, the Seahawks. I think they will work him in. Um, but I'm not, uh, you know, pounding my fist and saying they'll definitely work Josh Gordon in. We've been tricked by him before. <laughs> definitely been tricked by him before. So uh, a team that has not tricked us, uh, Washington, they host the Lions. It's a 41-point over-under, another one of these just absolutely dreadful games. Uh, but luckily, it's our last 10 a.m. game. And um, Detroit are three-and-a-half-point favorites. And Mike is wondering if we should roll with Darius Geis, with Adrian Peterson, or with newcomer Bo Scarborough. Yeah, so all all those guys are are pretty, um, I guess, bad. You know, uh, Adrian Peterson is probably the best option, but <laughs> what are the Redskins going to do? They, their season's basically over. They have uh, the young quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, and they have a young quarter, running back in Darius Geis. So are they going to 
grow with that you know, with their young young tandem and just try things out and get them experience or are they going to go with the better running back right now Adrian Peterson and try to you know keep guys from getting injured and risking more injury in a season that doesn't matter anymore so it, it will be it will be interesting I, I think you'll see guys catching a lot of passes uh, I don't know about running though I I, I think that's going to be probably a good split between ADP and guys. The either one of those guys should really have a good game. Uh, I could see guys busting one and getting like you know a hundred something yards or 80, 80 something yards just because he busts a sixty-five yard touchdown. Um, because the Lions' run defense is just so poor. <laughs> and then you have uh, Bo Scarborough, who <laughs> has been on three teams in two years. Uh, so he came in was drafted by the Cowboys. They cut him. Then I think he went to the Jaguars practice squad. They cut him. Uh, he was on the street, and Detroit's like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll bring you up. Uh, and he did okay. I mean, he scored a touchdown last week, 14 carries, 55 yards. But no one's really running very well uh, with, with the Detroit offensive line. I mean, even on Johnson was putting up like 3.4 yards per carry. And he's probably he's easily the most talented back on the whole entire team. So if he's not doing well, then you know that all the other guys that that they pick up aren't going to do well either. Uh, the other thing about Scarborough, if you're excited about him, you got him on your with your Fab or whatever. Don't expect him to catch passes because he is not a receiver. He's stone hands. Okay, this guy cannot catch. So all his yards are going to be on the ground. Uh, and so. You know, I could see a similar results, 55 yards and maybe a touchdown. But this whole running game itself is is in between splitting and Bo Scarborough. So, yeah, good luck. Good luck, good luck right. right. I mean, I you mean, had, yeah, uh, uh, it was Carry on Johnson. And then when it wasn't Carry on Johnson, it was going to be Ty Johnson. It wasn't going to be Ty Johnson. It was going to be Paul Perkins. If it wasn't going to be Paul Perkins, it was going to be, who did we, J.D. McKissick. And uh, now it's going to be Bo Scarborough. Sure. Okay. Good luck. Good luck, everybody, starting Bo Scarborough. Good luck. Evan wants to know if they work around Haskins' inability to deal with pressure or what's going on, uh, how, how Washington's going to work. Come on, around. Washington. Just do little dump-offs to Geis. Do some out – pound the ball with Adrian Peterson. Do some out routes and some hooks with Terry McLaurin. Not only will you stay competitive in games, you will become a consistent fantasy team for these people that are depending on you. Why don't they want to do that? Are they just tanking for and, an injured quarterback that we don't, you know, what's, what is, what's going on? Are, are all these bad teams going to start winning now that Tua's injured? <laughs> tank, for, <laughs> tank for Tua's over. It's off. Let's try to make, make the playoffs now. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, they're, I think they're going to have to go with the dump off to Geist route. There's not really much else they can do. Um, Cause I mean, that that's, you, that's the the best course of action for a quarterback who's completely overwhelmed. I mean, we saw it with the Steelers and Mason Rudolph um, with the, what was it, 13 targets to Jalen Samuels. I think that's what they're going to end up doing to Geis, um, which to answer, that means that we can Mike, answer Mike's question with, uh, let's roll with Geis. Because um, if he's getting all the, the dump offs, um, then uh, then um, he should have a, a high floor for you and your, your fantasy uh, football lineups this weekend. So, um, so yeah, I think that kind of answers Mike, Mike's question um, with our, our idea of what they might do with their game plan. Mike, what do you think? 
Yeah, I can definitely see that. If, if you're going to roll with one of those, especially because you're just really looking at flex option, I, I would definitely go with Gaius as, as your, your guy to put in that spot. Yeah. And, and, and so, uh, so yeah, um, I'm not confident in Bo Scarborough, though he probably does have the best chance at a, uh, a goal line touchdown in this one. Um, so what I want to know is, is my namesake Jeff Driscoll, um, who fun, funny story. So when Jeff Driscoll got drafted, I was still working at the insurance company, obviously, cause I was working at the insurance company until a few weeks ago. Um, but, um, we used to get transcriptions, uh, uh, of our statements with, with customers for arbitration, arbitration and stuff. Um, and one time it came back that my, um, my name was, uh, transcribed as Jess Driscoll. And so when I started to find out about Jeff Driscoll, I, I, I saw him as a kindred spirit in the, uh, in, in the universe, given that our, our names linked each other through this, uh, transcription services error. Um, but my question about Jeff Driscoll is, is he going to continue his 40 rushing yard per game average that he's had the last couple of games? Uh, he had 30 one game. He had 50 the other game. Um, is because that's that's given him a nice, uh, nice decent floor. Um, sorry, he had 37 in one game. It's given him a nice decent floor um, in in your leagues that you can kind of be like, okay, well, you know, he's not going to blow everything up, but he's not going to uh, hurt me uh, too bad. And uh, playing against Washington, I think he has a good chance to keep that going because I have a feeling. They're not the. They're not going to be the most disciplined defense. I think there's going to be a couple times where um, guys lose lose uh, lose focus on what they're doing, or they will um, uh, go ahead and um, turn their backs when they shouldn't. And and uh, I think he'll get another you know thirty to fifty rushing yards uh, this week, which will greatly boost his floor. So, so speaking of Jeff Driscoll and Driscoll Jeff, uh, in your time as uh, insurance have you ever met anybody famous or to that effect insurance no um i know people who met famous people in insurance but when i worked for the airline i met all kinds of famous people um met ruth bader ginsburg oh, met uh fergie the duchess of york nice met uh i wouldn't call it uh, uh John, what's his name oh shoot dennis miller whole bunch of times um and john cleese and then i think that's it i think that's it those are the people i met through when i was working my way through college delivering mattresses i once delivered a mattress to the home of some lady named mary jane budney jeez i guess that's not really relevant because she's not a celebrity, <laughs> i just wanted to share you just wanted to share that that, that little yeah, bit of like, information yeah never seems to come up <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and before we get back to football, Mike, to your point, um, usually with the uh, the insurance part of it, they have somebody who handles it. Um, they have somebody who's, who coordinates the the repairs, and then if they're injured, they get an attorney. So very few people have have actually met with actual famous people, though. So um, there was one guy at my old office had a story. He did the damages for Robin Williams's car, so he met Robin Williams. Oh, uh, that's. Yeah, this was like uh, uh, early to late nineties, early two thousands when it was. Uh, um, you know, post uh, post uh, hook era, um, uh, when he had that kind of uh, bounce back. So, anyways, Jacksonville. Think, uh, Robin Williams wasn't hung up about meeting that guy. Come on, man. Jacksonville at Tennessee. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Jacksonville at Tennessee, forty-one and a half point over under. Tennessee, three and a half point favorites. Um, and Mike, 
Uh, your punishment for that joke is you will go first. <laughs> will Derrick Henry continue the onslaught uh, against the Jags' rush defense? So, yeah, the Jags' defense against the run is is pathetic. I, I, the last game against the Colts, I watched it, it was it was miserable. It was like a field day. It was like you know, college versus junior high kind of kind of game where college guys just run wherever they want to run the whole field, and you had these junior high kids trying to tackle them. It, it was really bad. Uh, now Derrick Henry's power, I, I really think that he he's gonna just tear apart. Especially if he gets a lane, and you know, once he gets that lane, he's just gone. Yeah. Uh, so overall, the season, um, he really hasn't had too many 100-yard games. He's only had two, which is kind of interesting. But um, yeah, I, I, I actually think that Derrick Henry is just going to blow this, blow them up. Uh, on the season, Henry has 187 carries, 832 yards, and eight touchdowns. So he has a very high yards per carry average. Uh, what I see is 120 yards and two touchdowns against his Jad. So if you have Henry, make sure you get him in the lineup. Well, uh, yeah. Would anyways, but yeah, I was gonna say I don't think uh, a lot of people are <laughs> are booting him out of their lineups, yeah. you know. But yeah, I, I do think that it's gonna be a uh, uh, a little bit of a bloodbath for um, for uh, uh, this this rush defense about against Derrick Henry, who uh, pretty much cannot be stopped. So. Um, once he gets that lane, like you said, once he gets going, he, he's, uh, he's hard to bring down. So, um, Evan wants to know if this is the saddest division for fantasy. Yeah. I feel pretty sad when I try to think about starting players. You got one good quarterback. You've got two good running backs. Now that Marlon Mack is broken. I've got two good wide receivers and they're both on Houston. I mean, if you take Houston out of the way, there's like two fantasy players I want. You can't field a tight end to save your life, AFC South. What's going on? It's like they don't even care about fantasy. They clearly don't care about where you're winning their division, so what do they care about? Defense? Do they have good defenses? Let me check that out. Uh, Tennessee is top 10, mm-hmm. and Jacksonville is just outside top 12. Yeah, there you go. And if maybe if J.J. Watt was alive, Houston would be in there as well. But that's a, a noble concept, a non-injured J.J. Watt. So what I'm looking for in this contest is, uh, are we able to guess which Tennessee wide receiver will have a good game? Because three weeks ago, it was Corey Davis, 80 yards, or three games ago, 80 yards and a touchdown. Two games ago, it was A.J. Brown, 81 yards. And then last week, the answer was uh aj brown again um no it wasn't this is the wrong game (laughs) the uh the tennessee kansas city game the answer to that question was let's see none of them yeah the answer was none of them the high in that game was khalif raymond with one catch for 52 yards or johnu smith with four catches for 30 yards so we have you know ryan Tannehill who's playing well i mean decently enough for fantasy and he's leading him to some victories but it's like You've got Corey Davis, who was a first-round pick. You've got A.J. Brown, who was uh, top three wide receiver in the class this year, top four at worst. And you can't do anything with them in in the passing game. So, like, it shouldn't work. And I just want to know if we can guess which Tennessee wide receiver will have a good game. Because I'm going to dart throw it. I'll say Corey Davis. All right. 
You remember when they started Marcus Mariota? <laughs> the worst quarterback in the league? That's not true. The worst quarterback in the league is uh, Mason Rudolph. Uh, uh, same starts with an M, but I don't think it's Mason Rudolph. The the worst quarterback in the league? I'd go with Mitch Trubisky. Oh, pff, dude, Rudolph's worse than Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky has at least showed that he can do something in this league. He threw for three touchdowns in a game this year. Uh, Mason Rudolph is lost every time the ball lands in his hand. I guess Rudolph has better weapons, too. Yeah. and uh, by far is the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. Nah. Oh, See? Yeah. See, now that the void, now that Mar- Marcus Mariota has created a power void at the bottom of the rankings, it's crazy. I put Ryan Finley below Dwayne Haskins. I forgot Ryan Finley even existed. Yeah. yeah. I, no, I'd take Finley over Haskins. That's insane. Why would you take, what has Finley shown you that's, that you would say you'd take him over Haskins? He can process the game um, a lot better than Haskins can. I'm, I don't know if this guy will ever be good, to be honest with you. If he can't if he can't process this game, it's too quick for him. Then he's toast. Well, I mean, outside of his, his, I mean, Ryan Finley. I I don't know what you think Ryan Finley has done, but he cannot process. I mean, his processor is worse than Dwayne Haskins, and he can't throw on the run. I mean, I I don't know what's like what you. <laughs> I don't know what you think Ryan Finley's done. I know you don't like Dwayne Haskins, but. Ryan Finley's been just like top tier garbage. Yeah. And so, so exciting. When do we have when do we have the toilet bowl? When does uh Cincinnati play the Redskins? I'm not saying Finland's great. I'm just saying that if, you know. Whoa, I, Finland. I, who cares? A little, a little nationalism spilling into your debate. I mean, Finley's thrown for 282 yards in two games. Okay. He has one touchdown. It's okay. two interceptions. His Who yards per attempt. His yards per attempt is bad. Who's? His yards per attempt is bad for a run. Is okay for a running back. Four point six. Who's blocking for him? So there's no. There's 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 there's. It's just infinite excuses for Ryan Finley of all people is what is what we're sitting at here. Well, I think that if you have no receivers to throw to and a horrible offensive line to protect you, you're kind of in a bad situation. Well, yeah, you know, uh, Dwayne Haskins got sacked six times on Sunday, so that's not a great situation either. This is the saddest debate. Who's worse? Yeah, let's talk about Dallas and New England instead. Uh, 45 and a half point over under New England, six and a half point favorites. Uh, Evan, you want to talk about something about the Pats D? Yeah, like, I didn't start him last week. Picked up Minnesota against Denver, you know? Why not? And the Pats D had 11 points, and Minnesota had four. So, I guess I wrote down here, I strayed and got burned like a philanderist with an STD, which I guess was funny to me earlier. But anyway, I just, Pats D, I'm, I'm putting you back in. You're going to help me out? What's going on here? Let's, let's, let's make some beautiful music together again. Well, I mean, they played Let one of the, the most... House. They played one of the most difficult offenses to figure out, you know, in a long time, and and they got burned. And then since then, it's been, it's business as usual, right? That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I think that's going to go back to business as usual. They, um, you know, there was I saw a discussion of, uh, you know, kind of why Lamar Jackson torched them, and it's because they're a bunch of older guys who just know where to be and when to be there. But um, since Lamar Jackson just defies. 
you know, most defenses against him that that just didn't work out against him. So, um, you know, maybe that'll be a problem with Dak because Dak is but Dak is not on the same level in terms of um, his rushing ability as Lamar Jackson. So exactly. That's the thing. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like you're worried about New England. Everybody was 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 wet in their pants after this Baltimore game. And I'm like, did you see? Like, have you watched Lamar Jackson? Like, it's it's insane. Dude is the dude. I mean, he's better than Michael Vick as a runner. He is better than Michael Vick as a runner. And he's getting up there as a passer, too. As the season's gone along, I remember he's getting a lot better passing as, as the season's gone along. I, I noticed the drumbeat of uh, Lamar Jackson's just a running back is kind of. It's it's falling by the wayside because he has proven that he's doing a lot better um, as as an actual passer. Um, Mike and I had the discussion about him not being a Tom Brady or a, a Peyton Manning or a stand in the pocket type of guy. But um, but yeah. So anyways, enough about Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I, I'm not worried about the Pats. D. They had one one game, one bad game against one of the most confusing to figure out offenses and and one of the most multi-talented quarterbacks that we've seen in a long time. So it's like. All right. You, you just got to take your lumps, uh, you know, give uh, give applause to Baltimore and keep slotting pa- the Patriots in there for the rest of the year and take that advantage. So Mike's worried about uh, Ezekiel Elliott going up against that Pat, uh, uh, Patriots defense. I keep wanting to call it that Pat Patrick's defense for whatever reason. Maybe. Yeah, they, they do wear green. Then you really got it. the New England <laughs> Patriots. Um, so. Yeah, I can't, can't. I'm a little worried about Ezekiel Elliott. The last two weeks have been sort of mediocre. Okay, I, I can buy the Minnesota game. 20 carries, 47 yards. Yuck. But Minnesota's got a pretty, pretty dang good rush defense. What I can't buy is Detroit's game. And 16 carries for 45 yards against one of the worst defenses in football. Stopping the run. So, uh, you know, um, he did score score twice against them. But so that's good fantasy points. I'm, I'm, I'm more. This is what I'm focusing on is his his yards um, churning. It, it, it's it's his yards on the on the ground, not, not so much his production overall, but what he's doing on the ground. Now, it's not very good. Uh, the last couple games, Patriots run defense. Uh, they only allow five of. Uh, Five touchdowns on the ground, which is third. They only give up 97 yards on the ground, which is ninth. And um, they allow the fewest fantasy points to running back. So Ezekiel Elliott has got some work cut out for him. Uh, but, I mean, on the opposite side of the spectrum, if he sucks against Detroit, maybe he'll be great against a, a great defense in, in New England. I don't know. But you don't definitely don't want to put this all on Dak Prescott's shoulders because – it's it's gonna break. Yeah, I'm I don't think he's definitely gonna take me to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. So my question was about Dak. Uh, we talked about it earlier. So you've had some time to to uh, process Evan. So what do you think? I was big. I was the car guy. Uh, Mike was the Prescott guy. Who are you? Who 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 are you gonna upset here, me or Mike? I mean, Car hasn't whiffed. I just need like a dozen points and. Carr's gotten over that every, well, he had the game in Chicago, but it was Chicago. You know, the Jets ain't Chicago. I think that I'm going with Carr. Set. Yeah. I think I'm going with Carr. Yeah. He's That's just, right, Mike. Suck it. I've watched, I've watched all the Raider games. That's my penis in this life, whatever I did. And uh, 
he just clicks more and more with them. And it reminds me of that that season three seasons ago where he just gets where Cooper is going to be, or he just gets where Crabtree is going to be. He they're they're clicking, and once their car clicks, he's unstoppable. All right, uh, unstoppable is a little extreme, but I love him. Uh, he is, he is, uh, he's playing better and you're right. It is reminiscent of three years ago. So, all right, we'll put uh, Dallas, New England to bed with discussions of Lamar Jackson and Derek Carr. And, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to Sunday night football. This was flexed green Bay at San Francisco, 48 point over under Niners are three point favorites. And most recent news is that George Kittle is questionable and is looking like he will play on Sunday. So that's uh, that should be interesting, and that rolls right into Mike's question about if the Niners are a passing team now. Yeah, like what what's going on with the, with the 49ers? And I'm sure you have an answer for this, but the Garoppolo was averaging 27 per per uh, attempts in the last three games. It's gone from 27 to 43. So that's 16 16 uh, more attempts per game that he's that he's doing. Uh, I can't figure it out. Uh, Tevin Coleman is healthy. Matt Breida and Raheem Mostart are interchangeable. Uh, they have one of the best uh, teams rushing the ball. They, uh, they're they below average, I mean, or average, I guess, for Garoppolo. Um, but so, I mean, obviously, if you, if you have a, ch- a decision between having a running game that's set up the way it is, and Garoppolo, you're going to go with the running game is more what I'm trying to say. And now they, they are going to Green Bay. So are, are they going to continue to pass the ball against Green Bay, which is uh, their defense in the secondary is a lot better than what they have up front? Or are they going to go back to the run? Uh, what, what do you think? What's, what's going on with the 49ers these last three games? And why are they passing the ball so much? Well, the, I mean, the... With their, so they in those last three games they played Arizona twice, and um, Arizona's game plan was, hey, we're gonna we're gonna make this passing game stop us. We're we're gonna sell out to the to to the run. They were kind of living in the 49ers backfield because they were selling out to the run, and um, that's why Jimmy had uh, you know two of his better passing games because um, there are some breakdowns of it too. Like for example, Richie James's uh, first first quarter reception this last weekend that was like. 53 yards, something like that. What it was, was the Cardinals were selling out so hard on a screen that never came that, um, uh, Richie James was just upfield. Um, they had, he had, I think 10 of the 11 defenders going the wrong direction. And so he just dumps it off there. So they were kind of challenging the 49ers to pass them, to beat them. And that's precisely what happened. Uh, for the, um, for the Monday night football game, I mean, it was five full quarters. The field goal was when time expired in overtime. So that kind of would account for his, um, his, uh, number of pass attempts, but the, the run pass split was a little, a little messed up there. Uh, it looks like the Niners only ran the ball 25 times to the 46 pass attempts. And I think that had to do with the Niners getting down. I mean, at one point it was 21 to 10, um, in the beginning of the third quarter, um, to the point where uh, my father-in-law was like, well, if the Seahawks score here, um, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and, um, and uh, leave this one. And that, that was when the DeForest Buckner fumble happened. I, I think it was just a case uh, the Seahawks game of just 
uh, circumstance. And then the uh, the Cardinals were selling out to stop the stop the run and were challenging Jimmy G to stop them. And so that's what happened um, in the other game. I don't think that they're a passing team now, especially now that they've got uh, use checks back healthy um, and um, um, Mike McGlinchey's back healthy. Joe Staley's hurt again. Um, Justin School has filled in nicely for him. I think that they uh, will try to get back to the running game um, this week because that's really what the whole offense is built around is 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 that running game, especially when you look even at the pass conf- concepts that the, the 49ers use. They're built off of using them as run concepts a couple times first and then play actioning out of them and then, um, and then really catching the defense off guard. Like there's a play that, um, that um, Shanahan loves where um, they'll have uh, a tight end um, in line and he will uh, go across the formation to kind of uh, hit a linebacker um, in the secondary. He's going across the formation kind of like a drag route, but he's, he's blocking and he'll run that a couple times um, as a run play and they'll line up the exact same way. They'll run block for it, you know, do a play action with it. And the, that tight end or the fullback, sometimes it's use check, will go across the formation, then cut up and he's wide open. You see these plays where they're like, why did nobody guard George Kittle on that play? And it's because the last two times they ran that exact play, he was blocking and they run it. And it was the exact same concepts all around, but it's, it's just the sort of thing where um, Shanahan just does a great job of knowing when to call the, the, the change up play on it, you know, um, when to do it. Cause, um, you see it over and over again. Um, it started, they started doing the cutups last year where they would run a concept two, three times as a run and then get the op- opposition kind of lulled to sleep. And then, um, then they'll hit it for a, a 20, 30, 40 yard gain because they, the opposing defense knows what to key in on. And then they use that against them. So they key in on, on whatever it is, they get them used to this being a run play and then they make it a pass play. So that's, that's why I don't think they're going to be a passing team now because their passing is built out of the run. And the last three games have just been weird because, um, like I said, the Cardinals, their game plan was, they were not going to let the running backs beat them. They were not going to let that happen. They were going to force Jimmy G to, to throw the ball. And, you know, Jimmy G had 300 yards and four touchdowns and 400 yards and four touchdowns. So that didn't really work out well for them. But um, but no, I don't think that they're a passing team now just because their whole operation is built off of um, trickeration from the, uh, the run plays. So they are still fundamentally a rushing team. Though... Who knows? Maybe Jimmy G's stepped it up to the next level. He does finally have as many starts as Sam Darnold now. So there is that to think about as well. All right. So now that my uh, my uh, verbal manifesto is over, um, Evan, you wanted to talk more about the running game. <laughs> Run the ball with Coleman. What is wrong with you? They had three short touchdowns last, last week. But of course, when yeah. Coleman's open for the short touchdown, they just utterly miss him. Why, cruel universe? You well, know, because because Jimmy G's invested in the narrative that the Cardinals are bad against tight ends, so he's got to get Ross Dwelly as touchdowns. But he he missed uh, Coleman on an easy four yard touchdown too, though. Yeah, I know. That's why I turned it off. Um, let's see here. You've run given Tevin Coleman double digit carries in all but one of the last seven games, and you've won all but one of the last seven games. Hmm. Let's just do it. Come on. That's it. But but did they give him double digit carries in the game they lost? Yeah, no, that's my point. Ah, okay. Yeah. Because you could you could have put a little statistician trickeration there, where um you know the oh, Niners yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm already yeah. doing enough trickery, though, because it's not like giving them 12 carries is what beats these teams, except for that one game. Just run the ball with Coleman, man. I got him started. Please, please, for Evan, yeah. run the ball with My Coleman. My question is, what is wrong with you, universe? Yeah, what is what is wrong with your brain? So, um, my question on this one is, uh, it's um, is this going to be a Jimmy Graham game? Because um, when uh, uh, before the Niners uh, Seahawks Monday Night Football, I went in all in depth about how Quan Alexander, um, him being missing from the defense, is going to change how they guard tight ends. Um, he was a top coverage linebacker this season. And um, then Jacob Hollister went out and scored a touchdown. And I was like, well, okay. Um, things will be bad um, for the, for the Niners. Um, the Cardinals don't really have tight ends of, of note. Um, if Max Williams could catch a football, um, he would have had an easy touchdown last week. Um, so I'm starting to wonder if maybe uh, this is going to be a Jimmy Graham game. And if it is a Jimmy Graham game, are the 49ers now an offense that we target with our tight end? So it's basically one to two to three uh, correlation there. So um, so we'll go ahead. Uh, we got about nine minutes left. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to Baltimore at the Rams. Um, this should be a very gross game. I don't know why Baltimore is only three point favorites. 46 point over under. Let's take the team that went into Foxborough and won 37 to 20 and make them three point favorites against the Rams. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mike, let's talk more about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and I don't I don't get the why everybody's thinking the Rams are a good team. They haven't really been a good team all year, but exactly. whatever. Um, yeah, for Lamar Jackson, uh, I want to see if he can bust out a 300 yard uh total total offensive game running and passing at this point he has six games over 300 yards uh he did that against pittsburgh uh, seattle new england and cincinnati um those those were the four teams that he didn't get 300 yards so pretty good defenses uh interesting cincinnati which is 32nd he only got 288 so i don't know what the deal was there probably i think he got pulled that game so that that's probably why um and he's having a great year but you have to look over his competition it's not like he's really going up against these tough defenses he went up against new england put up 224 yards um pittsburgh 231 total yards so how much is it really his his skill and he has a lot of skill don't get me wrong i mean the dude is awesome when he's running the ball and he can throw Uh, okay he's getting better but you also have to figure out, factor in how these defenses are really bad that he's doing all this against. So um, the Rams are pretty tough on the on the defense. Can he do 300 yards? I'd say 288 uh, on the day total yards for Lamar Jackson. All right, that'll be that'll be fun to see. The Rams are a good defense, um, but uh, what Evan really wants to know is not about the Rams or or the Ravens, but he really wants to know is about the universe. Yeah, are you satisfied, universe? During the preseason, we were so smug that Todd Gurley was going to be the big regression point on the Rams. And we told everybody, don't get Todd Gurley, you know? And it turns out, Todd Gurley wasn't the main regression point on the Rams. The main regression point on the Rams was every single member of the Rams' offense. So, good job. I'm not sure what point you're trying to prove there, but something got proven. Yeah. So that rolls right into my question, which is, are we watching the Rams offense just circle the drain? Um, they've Jared Goff in this Rams offense. Yeah, they, they crushed 
Atlanta and Cincinnati. But other than that, the Niners, they scored seven points. Pittsburgh, they scored 12 points. Chicago, they scored 17 points. And I mean, uh, you got Jared Goff here scoring, scoring, thrown for four touchdowns in his last five games, three interceptions in his last five games. I mean, it's, you know, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. Uh, we, I mean, they, they can't be on the field. Uh, Cooks is, is working through his concussion protocol. He should be back. Uh, Robert Woods sat out last week for personal reasons. It's a team that's kind of sc- starting to come apart at the seams. Cooper Cup had uh, that random goose egg two weeks ago. Um, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley finally uh, had over a hundred yards, um, for the first time since week one last week. So Todd Gurley tip our cap to you, but as a whole, this offense is just circling the drain last season. They were second in yards last season. They were second in points scored this year. They're outside the top 10 in both. So, I mean, they still have Sean McVay, which will get them very far, but I think that they're, this offense is having some problems in an offense that we thought was going to be, uh, very, uh, mine worthy. We were going to be able to mine a lot of value out of it. It's just been not that. And um, it's just been a very limited, lacking offense. And and going against the Ravens, I don't see things getting a whole heck of a lot better. I think this one's going to be kind of a boat race um, because this offense is just super messy. And I'm wondering if we're seeing it circle the drain because they, I mean, the fact that Jared Goff can't read the defense on his own and Sean McVay has to do it, teams know that now. That's a known fact. There's a clear line of demarcation in the quality of Jared Goff's play between uh, from the Chiefs game last year and 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 every other game since then. When people kind of started to learn that that there was all those glowing pieces about it, and people started to learn that, hey, if we switch up our defense in the last 15 seconds, Jared Goff's not going to be able to know what we're doing, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Is Sean McVay cannot be in his ear right up until the snap. So, um, so they they will get around that next year. I think, I think Sean McVay is smart enough to get them into a high tempo offense so that they're snapping the ball before the 15 seconds is up. But I mean, they can't let the clock run because from 15 seconds to zero seconds, that's when the defense feasts on uh, what Jared Goff is looking at. So I'm wondering if this offense is circling the drain. And I think that this weekend is, is going to go along or uh, Monday night football is going to go a long way to uh, show us that that's exactly uh, what is happening. So unless anybody has a rebuttal that you guys think Jared Goff Circling is actually good. Weeks ago, like a dead goldfish. All right. And also, I think if, if you look back at last year, too, a lot of that was Todd Gurley and their need to stop Todd Gurley. And when Todd Gurley's half the man that he used to be, it's now the focus is on Jared Goff. And I don't, he needs Todd Gurley because he's not he can't carry the load by himself. Because he's half the man he used to be. But no, you're right. Todd Gurley's knee injury is, is not is not helping matters. So, all right. Any any other songs you guys want me to sing before we move on to the DFS? <laughs> all right. So, Mike, let's give a quick recap. Uh, Evan, short on time here. We're under the clock. We're under the crunch. Mike, quick what? DFS recap. What's going on? Okay, real quick. Uh, last week, uh, Mike... First place for the eighth straight week or some crazy number like that. Um, Jeff, second, pretty respectful, yeah. 133 points, you know, 20 points behind mine. And then Evan, he, second time, I think, this year, he's come, come in third. Took home the bronze. Took home I the bronze. phoned it's it in. Right. It's all right, baby. You're, you're, on the, you're on the podium. This is my week. And then um, overall, 
Mike with 23 points, Evan with 20, and Jeff at 17. Don't like it. Don't like it. Yeah. So, all right, Evan, let's start off with your lineup. All right. I like this one this week. I like Matt Ryan for $7,900. Atlanta's been feasting. He's got one of those NFC South matchups that against Tampa Bay that always seem to be a shootout. Give me that guy. Uh, like Mike said, Henry, Derrick Henry, you're going to feast on the Jacksonville's piddly run defense. I like him for $8,400. Uh, Nick Chubb against Miami? I don't know. Seems to be, seems to be a th- thing there. Uh, that's 8200 And then every week I go Mike Evans for 8000 because I'm going to hit <laughs> one of those times. Uh, again, another NFC, same NFC South, hopefully shootout. I guess Jeff Driscoll loves Marvin Jones is the new hotness. So I'll take him for 7200 uh, for my third wide receiver, I like Ann Randerson. That's R. Anderson, Robbie Anderson on the Jets, going up against Oakland, uh, 5,400. He's been coming up. And then give me uh, Ryan Griffin for tight end. Uh, Haskins seems to like him, and all the other tight ends are injured or not that great. For flex, I'm going to go a little rogue here. For $4,600, Kyle Yusek. He's a good guy. He's a great all-world talent. He got seven catches last week. Uh, I'll take that. You know, uh, who knows what's going to happen if George Kittle is going to be decoy or what? And I think the smart defensive play is Buffalo for forty-seven hundred. I, I got I whiffed last week picking Minnesota against Denver, but I mean, how many weeks can that guy who's pitching for Denver, whose name I don't even care to remember? How many weeks can he pull that off? The heck is that name? Pitching for Denver? Yeah. Or throwing for Denver? Brandon oh. Allen. Okay. Mixing sport metaphors is the new end thing. Get it's with. a real home run. All right. Run it back one time. Matt Ryan, 7,900. Derek Henry, 8,400. Nick Chubb, 8,200. Mike Evans, 8,000. Marvin Jones, 7,200. Robbie Anderson, 5,400. Ryan Griffins, 5,600. Kyle Juszczyk, 4,600. And Buffalo's defense, 4,700. That puts me right at 60K. Nice. Mike, let's hear your lineup. I, I like Kyle Juszczyk because he has two Zs in his name, and neither one of them are pronounceable. Uh, but outside of that, uh, my, my lineup is Matt Ryan, uh, starting quarterback, Nick Chubb, 8,200, Leonard Fournette, 7,000. 7, Julio Jones, 8,400. Calvin Ridley, 6,700. Hunter Renfro, 5,900. Zach Ertz, 6,100. Terry McLaurin, 5,800. And the New York Giants defense at four. Wow. All right. All right. All right. So let's let's make this one a clean sweep here. Quarterback, Matt Ryan. All right. For me. Running back, I like where Evans heads at. Derrick Henry, second running back. Jalen Samuel, sixty-nine hundred bucks. Gonna really bank on the on lots of uh, dump offs to Jalen Samuels there. Evan or Mike, you and I are on the same page. Julio Jones, Evan, you and I are on the same page. Marvin Jones. Uh, then I'm I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Josh Gordon, fifty-one hundred bucks. Let's see how poorly that works out. Dallas Goddard, fifty-two hundred bucks. Let's see how great that works out. Then my flex, Mike. I like where your head's at. Hunter Renfro. And then I did all this so that I could play the Steelers. <coughs> 
or five thousand dollars highest price point on the slate, but they're going against the Bengals, a team that can't stop getting turnovers against a team that can't stop giving it up. So again, with less commentary, Matt Ryan seventy nine hundred, Derrick Henry eighty four, Samuel sixty nine, nice, Julio Jones eighty four, Marvin Jones seventy two, and uh, Josh Gordon fifty one, Dallas Goddard fifty two, Renfro fifty nine, and five K for the Steelers. So. All right, we'll see. Hopefully, I finally get another victory in this stupid thing um, that I'm not at all bitter about. And definitely, we're not going to have a conversation about not having this on the show next year. But hey, we'll see how that goes. Um, So thanks for listening, everybody. This has been uh, the Football Absurdity Podcast for Week 12. Uh, If you want to hear the answers to the questions that we ask, go ahead, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash footballabsurdity. Uh, Go ahead, sign up, and you will get access to that second episode every week. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. For Mike, for Evan, this has been Jeff. Thank you for listening, and you have a good one. Bye. Bye.